Nah, but listen, I'm following my dreams. I'm chasing my my my, my dreams. Um, accomplishing all my goals. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. happy Sunday and thank you for tuning in to another episode of this can't be like podcast I'm your host Kay the rebel you can find me on only one social media platform which is Instagram the podcast page is at TCBA podcast and my personal page is at Kay the rebel questions comments inquiries would like to do a collaboration provide me with any feedback or topics you would like to see me discuss Email address is this can't single letter B L Y F E at gmail.com. I'm back again. I'm really trying to be intentional and I'm trying to be dedicated to releasing episodes once a week, like for the next 90 days. That kind of seems impossible, but like they always say, possible is in the word impossible. So I think I, I, I can try to. Um, thanks to everyone that in tuned in to last week's episode and provided me with feedback. Um, I really need to hear that sometimes. All it takes is like 30 seconds to just tell me how you felt, what you could relate to. It, it drives me and it motivates me. Um, it lets me know that the content that I'm choosing is meaningful and that I can impact somebody in one way or another. I don't want to just log on and record and release these episodes to talk about whatever everybody else is talking about or to say things to attract more viewers or be ignorant like how other people in the podcast community have have been behaving. I don't I don't want to be that person. So thank you to every single person that did reach out to me within this past week. And I don't know who in Baltimore discovered my podcast, but shout out to you. Um I don't think you were logged in from maybe your main profile on SoundCloud. I got to see um, the the stats and it, obviously we're going back even listening to like older episodes. And I think that is so dope. So whoever you are, if you are tuning in this week, thank you so much for the support. I see you. Just know that. So this week's episode is also surrounded around um, mental health. I figured I would just get out with, with the deep, deep stuff in be vulnerable to you guys um, upon my return. And the purpose of this episode is to address misconceptions about being healed and or the process of healing, and also to educate um, people about their triggers. Because sometimes people throw that word around on social media and they're not really, um, they don't even understand what they're talking about. They're just saying it just just to say it. Um, or sometimes there's a negative connotation about our triggers. So I'm here to um, address that or challenge people to think of things in a different way. So um, here's some things that I feel I've learned about healing, lessons that I should share with you. Um, lesson number one, 
Healing is an ongoing process. It does not come with a definitive turnaround time. Um, lesson number two, healing is a personal thing as it's something you have to do for you. But sometimes certain people will play a role in that journey. And let's just say if you were a file on your laptop or phone that was being downloaded and you get the 86% and then it gets stuck, sometimes you need assistance with that other 14%. to get you to 100%, you know, metaphorically speaking. Lesson number three, healing requires a lot of uncomfortable conversations. And not many people are willing to have those. And that's what stinks because it definitely alters your, your journey of healing. Um, lesson number four, healing is lonely. Sometimes it will feel like you're on an island by yourself. Because when you're trying to heal, you really have to spend more time with yourself. And you can't really be being mixy and hanging around people all the time. Or you may miss your mark or, you know. Um... Lesson number five is healing sometimes attracts evil, especially from people who have done you wrong. It's like they're angry that you overcame whatever it is that they put you through. And the last lesson I would say I've learned about being healed is that healed recognizes healed. And those that get it, get it. I'm not even going to get into that. So just how people say real recognizes real, or healed recognizes healed as well. So once you do start healing, you'll definitely attract more like-minded individuals. That's for sure. Um, so even on this whole journey of healing, or even when you have those moments where you feel like, okay, I'm healed, sometimes the things you think you healed from you know, there was a trigger, you know, that's usually attached to like a trauma. And that trigger may be absent from an extended period of time. And then boom, you get triggered out of nowhere. And you're like, well, I haven't thought about this traumatic person, place, or thing in a while. So I'm confused. Like I, like I thought I was healed. Like I thought I was good. And I think that's the key thing I want to focus on this episode that healing isn't all black and white, and there are a lot of gray areas. And guess what I've learned? Um, you can heal from one traumatic experience and move forward, and then the universe gets ghetto, and you're put in a different situation with a different person, place, or thing. Everything is different, but that trigger remains. It's almost like your triggers, triggers got triggers. Like it's a family of them or sort. You know, I don't mean to laugh, but like for real, like the triggers, triggers got triggered. And don't mind me, I always joke. It's uh, part of like a mental health coping mechanism. But at the end of the day, sometimes you do got to laugh to keep from crying. So when I'm saying that my triggers, triggers got triggers, let's get into it. First and foremost, Every trigger is associated with a traumatic moment in our lives. So last week's episode, I told y'all I didn't have childhood trauma except being bullied as a kid. I don't know if you caught it, but um, I want to tap into that. Your average kid gets bullied because they wear glasses, 
they have a hygiene issue, maybe they're overweight, maybe they're too short, maybe they're too tall. I was teased because of my eczema. I would get patches on my arms, hands, and I would even get like the little patches kind of like around your mouth, like Malik Yoba. Like I feel for him every time like the public talks bad about him. I'm not really sure why he hasn't been able to correct that issue, considering he has money and resources, but let me not get off topic. So when you're a child with eczema, it's difficult because they won't prescribe steroid creams like as they would when you become an adult. So my mom would keep me like moisturized with tons of Vaseline and the kids would call me grease monkey. What's funny is I never cried. I just battled it internally more than anything. I also was the only child and an introvert, so I didn't have the courage to stand up for myself. And me not responding to them was kind of like a gift and a curse. A, in one breath, it showed I wasn't weak and they couldn't break me, but then B, they got bored and they had to find something else to humiliate me about. So I was a tough cookie and I never tried to befriend any of the people that teased me, so I would go hours without talking. That then tied into them saying that I was dumb. They would say I didn't know how to talk. And I guess it was because I only would speak if the teacher requested that I did by asking me like a question. And then I had a kind of a raspy voice as a kid and they would make fun of that too. Even in my adulthood, people make fun of my voice and sometimes it can be a trigger. Um, so in my adulthood, I noticed that I get into empath mode every time I hear about kids being bullied at school, because I know what that feels like, like it hits me. Um, like my first husband would joke and say like, I was ashy, even if I wasn't. And I would get irate. And when I would respond and get angry, he never understood. And I didn't tell him why that was a trigger at that time in my life. And I think because I didn't even know about triggers or awareness or knowing that. I just know that I didn't like the feeling, but I didn't realize that the feeling was a trigger. And as an adult, I still get an eczema patch here and there. And of course, people don't respond to it like the same way that they did when I was a kid, you know, and I'm appreciative of that. But I do realize that, you know, with being bullied, being my childhood trauma, I think getting bullied as a kid kind of hindered my ability to make friends later on in life. And I still struggle with that. I think therapy has been challenging me to maybe get a little bit better about it. But sometimes when you're so quick to judge somebody, oh, they don't got no friends or yeah, she's mad, weird, she stays to herself or whatever, like you don't know how people got to be who they are, you know? So let me stay on course. Um, middle school was a cool time where I made a lot of friends, even ones I still have till this day. Shout out to them. Um, high school, I ended up going to school in the suburbs with predominantly white kids. It was a program called METCO. So any of my local listeners from Boston, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, when I would ride the bus to school with kids from Boston, they all clicked and they made friends instantly. Of course, I didn't. And there was this one girl who would say things on the bus and she thought I couldn't hear, like, why don't that girl talk? Or I've never heard her talk. What's wrong with her? And back then, that was like when the Columbine shootings had happened, you know, um, or what was it, the trench coat mafia, whatever those white kids were that were like shooting up schools at the time. Anyways, she made a joke early on the bus one day, early in the morning about me probably being one of those kind of kids. 
and that that's why I was so quiet and that people should watch out for me. And of course, everybody like laughed about it. I um, got a kick out of it. Later that day, I saw her in the hall outside of Spanish class and I walked up to her and I said, the next time you talk shit about me, I'm going to slap the shit out of you. She laughed. Her friends laughed because I guess it was kind of like, you don't even talk. So now you're coming out threatening people. Probably considered me as someone that wouldn't make good on my word. Little did she know you were speaking to my inner child, the person that was bullied. Like, and I had enough. Like, I went through middle school where it was peace. No one bothered me. Then I get to high school and people are doing it again, you know? So the next day, um, the bus that I was on, I think it was number four, because I wasn't on bus three yet, had to stay late. And um, I saw her in the hallway. And while walking with my high school sweetheart at the time, she laughed and mumbled something. I dropped my bag, guys, and I just ran over to her and started punching, kicking, and I blacked out. I mean, literally. When I say I blacked out, I couldn't even tell you what happened. I wouldn't tell you how she was able to hit me back if I slammed her on the ground, how long we were fighting. All I know is that when I was able to bring myself out of the blackout. The only thing I can remember is that I had a, a pain, this pain and this bump on my forehead. My high school sweetheart told me it took about like five faculty members to get me off of her and that I had hit my head while I was on the floor, while I was yelling and screaming and kind of tossing and turning to get a loose from the teachers, I guess, so I could continue um, pounding her out. And, you know, I've never really talked about that day. Um, I've had plenty of fights um, that that I've talked about or shared with people, like my war stories that I'm not proud of, but, you know, that was my life. And me and my issues with anger, and the only way I knew how to handle anger is to be physical. But this particular fight that I'm talking about right here, right now, I've never talked about. I don't talk about it ever. And um, I guess I felt like I needed to. I don't know why. But yeah. Um, and maybe I never wanted to talk about it because, again, it was that childhood trauma because it's a trigger and it was linked to to that period of my life. Um, and I guess because like that day that I had that physical altercation with her was more than a fight. It was the day I became an angry person and I really would say things like I hated people and stuff like that. So so I'm thinking that there's definitely a correlation of why I've never felt like it was safe to express that. You know, because I think we live in a world where people are like, that shit happened so many years ago. Let that shit go and let that shit go. And you don't even realize that there could be layers to somebody's trigger or its connection to things they went through in their childhood. Um, but anyways, um, I'm going to move on, I guess, to some more triggers. Anyone who knows me personally knows that back in the spring of 2021, I went live on social media and I lost my shit. So again, everything is like a, a, a segue into something else, um, like about my anger. And um, when I went on live on social media, I had lost my shit. And at that time, I was being bullied by my um, ex-husband, second, to be clear, and his girlfriend. And what's crazy is that that day I went live and yelled like that and was so angry I felt the exact same way I felt that day in high school. I don't think like any Trumps, like those are some of like the angriest days I would say of my life. 
So that's kind of what I mean when I say my triggers, triggers, got triggers. You know, I always come in peace. And in the past, people have a way of like fucking with me. You know, they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And then it's like this one last button they push and I'm gone. I spaz. And I hate that for me. I really do. Um, I hate to admit this, but I got to be all the way real to get the meat and potatoes of, of this episode. But you ever have one traumatic experience that has a super long list of triggers attached to it? So, man, where do I start? Um, back to that day of me going live and being angry. Um, everybody knows I had a very nasty public breakup from my ex. And I'm not going to rehash that. However, that's how I ended up back in therapy. As far as just for the anger, the hurt, the resentment, everything during that time in my life. So I had done the work, right? And I mean, it was so rough and tough doing the work during that period in my life. All 2021. Um, just trying to find myself all over again. It was really like Humpty Dumpty having a great fall. And I just didn't know how to put the pieces back back together. But it was therapy in a supportive tribe, you know, that helped me. And I got to a place where I knew I was healed when I attempted to co-parent with someone who violated me in the in the worst way, which was in 2022. And I knew I had healed when I had forgave my father for things he did in 2022. Um, I knew I had healed when I learned to get along with um, a manager that I hated that happened in 2022. Um, so I was just like fostering healthy relationships. And I even was like, okay, I don't need therapy anymore. Like, okay. So um, I had taken a break and then boom. It was August or September of last year. It was like every trigger came back to me. And I mean, even ones from over a decade ago that I swore weren't even relevant in my life. Um, for one, um, in August, my daughter like ended up being in a relationship with a toxic young man and they had gotten into an altercation and hours later, he kicks in the window to my apartment, which happened to be her bedroom window. Um, I, of course, I would never go into too much detail about that because that's my personal life and my daughter's confidentiality. But in that moment, I instantly became triggered because it reminded me of when I split from my ex-husband and he had broke glass and destroyed property in my apartment. Like, it was literally like I was going through the same thing I had went through in 2020. Imagine being triggered and then you need to protect your daughter all at once. It was a lot like, how do I handle this trigger? And I'm feeling I have to be there for her because this is insane that she's even going through this. Um, at such a young age, like how did I go through something? And then two years later, my baby's going through it. Like what the hell? In that moment, I'm also triggered because I can't call her dad because he's absent. I'm on bad terms with my dad, even though I have forgiven him for stuff. I still wasn't rocking with him like that. So I wasn't going to give him another opportunity to let me down. So I could sit in that, you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, 
It's just really me and my two kids. Of course, my mom and my stepdad came to support me after that incident took place. But it still was like, damn, I'm a single mom and look at this. You know, so I ended up bringing this up in my therapy sessions. So that's what brought me back to therapy again, just to rewind. So when I was bringing up the incident that happened with my daughter and how it was a trigger, and then we rehashed, you know, my ex-husband doing the same thing, my therapist started asking, when was the first time I ever felt hopeless and like I couldn't protect myself? And it brought me back to something that I talk about, and I feel like I talk about it casually, but I've never given myself to say that was a traumatic experience. I think I've just only looked at myself as a survivor and I've never given myself permission to look at myself as a victim. But in 2007, I had two female roommates and I was home alone at the time and I was the victim of a home invasion. A gentleman kicked in the door and was looking for money and had a gun pointed at me with my two-year-old daughter present at the time. And um, he left without anything um, I wasn't hurt. My my daughter wasn't hurt. Um, but I can honestly say that how that traumatic experience and trigger how I chose to manage it is it just made me not want to live alone or be alone in the house by myself after that happened. And immediately after that situation happened back in 2007, I moved back in with my mom. And so let's fast forward to present as in 2023. I moved earlier this year, and I'm in a whole new neighborhood, which I've done my research on. It's proven to be safe. Um, not Hardly nobody knows where I live except for, like, immediate family. And um, I'm still very super paranoid. Um, I got cameras. Um, I have a high-voltage taser. And I also, in spite of all of these things after that incident happening with my daughter last year, I also now have my license to carry. And guess what? I still feel unprotected. Um, and I thought that you could be like at a certain place and that, you know, because no one always knows where you live. So you don't have to worry about crazy people showing up and trying to do something. And then I'll never forget one day when my friend was visiting, my best friend was visiting back in April. Like at 1230 at night, somebody started ringing my bell over and over again. And I have a very distinct bell. So when I jumped up, I instantly had like a mini panic attack. And it was like a hesitance. Like I wanted to be on go, but at the same time, I'm like, this can't be anybody. Like, be logically, it's not anybody here to harm you. Nobody even knows you live here. It's just the fact that when I first held the, heard the bell ringing at that moment that I instantly got into like, oh my God, this is my time to attack. This is my time to do this. And it's like, I don't like that feeling. It's a, it's a horrible trigger to have. And that's why I really wish people would be more mindful about the, the traumas or the way they traumatize people because it does stick with them. And yet it could be somebody that listens to this episode and like, oh, she's always talking like she's some tough guy or she's ready for whatever. Yeah, motherfucker, I am. But why do I got to live like that? Why? because of things other people did to me to want to harm me for no reason at all. Like, you damn right. Like, the hell? I'm a fucking human being. 
Like, I don't want to be a tough guy. I'm turning 38 years old this year. Why should I want to use a taste on somebody? Why should I want to go to a gun range so I can learn how to shoot? That's not how I'm supposed to be. Like, how am I supposed to be feminine with shit like that on my mind? Or why is it that I don't have a, a man around or fathers of my kids around or people I feel like I can call that's going to show up to protect me? Because that's supposed to be a man's job, right? No, I have to do it. Yeah, it sucks. And I don't like it but I deal with it. So yeah, I guess I am a tough guy in those moments, but again, I'm still human, you know? So <laughs> in the midst of all those things that I just talked about, I went through between from 2021 to 2022, there's one piece that I'm missing. And in the midst of all of that, I had a sick grandmother who I've been taking care of. Um, and although she has three kids, somehow I'm like the go-to person. She wants me to go to her appointments with her. She calls me to run errands for her. All this while I'm trying to work two jobs and be a parent for both of my kids. And it seems like every time with her new diagnosis and the thing she's battling, she would feel helpless. And when she would feel helpless, she would mistreat me. So in the beginning, I figured it was normal because, you know, after getting advice from other people, you know, I've heard that, you know, the elderly people can be mean when they're sick. You know, I don't know. But either way, I kept internalizing it. And one day I randomly said in one of my therapy sessions, when she does X, Y, and Z, it reminds me of Loyal's dad. And I went on a rant like, he used to do the same shit, unappreciative, ungrateful, walking all over me like I'm a doormat. And I then had to be educated by my therapist in that moment that it really wasn't my grandmother being mean or that she was a horrible person. It was that I was so triggered by her and I couldn't differentiate between the two. The bottom line is my grandmother ain't nothing like my ex. Okay, she has showed up for me in ways that, that are unimaginable, you know? And the reality is that she was just having a rough time and I didn't provide her with enough understanding or empathy and give her grace because I was so triggered. And once I became aware of that, I worked on it. And then my Nana kind of stopped being mean to me. And maybe it was never her and it was me the whole time. I don't know. But either way, that was how my trigger showed up. Do I have more examples of recurrent triggers? Absolutely, I do. But of course, that's not the purpose of this episode. I'm not just going to sit here and jump on y'all and tell you all about my life um, and how many triggers that I have. Um, but I just really hope that anyone else listening to this episode, that you really respect my level of vulnerability with you guys. And I just want you to know that if you ever watch me on social media and some of the things that I post that I believe in or some of the feelings that I have um, or just things I say from off, off, off the top of my dome that don't ever, ever view me as someone that's 100% here. There's some days that I'm not, you know, and I want you to understand that it's okay there's no such thing as being 100%. The triggers will come and go, but you have to be aware of them and you just have to be strong enough to manage them. Again, I hope I put y'all onto something. 
challenge y'all to think about something different. That's my time and I'm out.